So welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. We have another episode coming to you. We have Mr. Finn McKenty, who is uh, Director of Operations and Marketing at URM uh, and Riff Hard, but also you probably know him from Punk Rock, NBA, YouTube, and uh, Twitch channels. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. And our guest of honor, Mr. Uh, Nick Nocturnal. I'm sure you know Nick from his YouTube, from his Twitch, from his music. Is He's just got one of those faces and presences that at this point, if you've been online and you are in the metal scene, you know him. You know those sleepy raccoon eyes. You know Oh, him. yeah. <laughs> Unmistakable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it, It's the eyes and then the fact that... It, People, even yesterday, people were just like, yeah, you look like a skull with hair. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all that? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, and teeth. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Right. Sometimes. If we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm stoked to chat. It's a pleasure. Just out of curiosity, as and I, I want to hear also how the rest of you do this. But Nick, as your life gets busier i get the feeling that you're a masochist like the rest of us in that you just keep adding shit to do how do you prioritize the part of it that involves actually being good enough at music to to do music because it's not like it's not like a podcast where you know a podcast i just have to podcast and that's it i don't have to like go and practice podcasting but for music like there's the writing the music there's the recording it but then there's also this whole other side of it which is just the making sure you could even do it in the first place so how, how do you work that out into your schedule yeah i just don't get better at music um that's that's kind of <laughs> the end all but i mean it, it's weird because i started as a guitarist first and then like a metalhead second and then over the years and doing content I became like a metalhead and YouTuber kind of first and guitarist second as I realized I just liked listening to metal and I didn't care if it had techie guitar or whatnot. Um, but I also took a, you know, a love to writing a lot more and a love to understanding song structures and, and melodies and doing more with less, basically, and seeing how far you can kind of push it and then tying that into just listing. Basically, my upkeep for keeping up with how to write music even though I do spend a decent amount of time writing music, it's it's really just listening to a lot of music and trying to understand it. Um, sometimes just putting it in the background and thinking something's really cool and that you know catches my ears and I'm like, whoa, what's that? And I'll naturally maybe want to explore it, and, you know, try to figure out what they're doing or what random alien noise they're using this time. But it's yeah, just listening to music, you know, and being not really forced, but like it being part of basically my job now every, you know, on Twitch as well as on YouTube to keep up with what's happening, I feel like has made me a better writer than anything I've done in the past, other than maybe doing a lot of guitar covers. Makes sense. But the same idea that immerses you in really well-written music. I can actually relate to what you're saying because I took, you know, I took the seven years off from playing or writing. And when I came back to it, like, I feel like I'm better now than I was before I took the break. Right. And my explanation for it is what I've done in the meantime through Riff Hard and URM, just like talking to so many people that are great at music, watching them work, helping them get to the bottom of why they sound the way they do. It had to have some sort of effect. So I actually think that the right kind of listening is an incredible kind of uh, practice. 100%. I, I, I take it much more as just like a consumer first. Uh, and that's something that's changed my whole mindset. I was always, you know, younger, like, oh, I have to be virtuoso and crazy and write the craziest solos and lead lines as a guitarist. Was, yeah, no one cares, <laughs> usually, right? But it's so funny because I put a lot of work into that stuff. And when I was younger, I'd get more of like, a, oh, that's so cool, dude. I, like, that was a six sweet picking arpeggio with like, a, you know, a minor seven sharp or whatever, you know, getting all fancy and being like, that's innovative. But nowadays, you know, you hear incredible guitarists like John, like Jason Richardson, like Tim, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to just focus on writing stuff that anyone can listen to that, you know, you don't have to be a musician to really care, understand. You just listen and you activate caveman mode and you're like, oh, yeah, that that does the thing. And stuff that I just enjoy listening to much more, which isn't as much really guitar, crazy technical stuff. Even though whenever I put that stuff on, I'm always like, as a musician, wow, like that's impressive and that does spark some innovation. But really, it's just 
stuff that I, I just want to write stuff that makes me want to put it on replay as much as possible, really. It's weird because I both believe in dreaming and thinking big, but also keeping some sense of reality. Yes. And when you're around these virtuosos, like, at least for me, like anytime I'm around one of those freaks, it's like very clear to me that no matter how much I do, I'll never be able to do something like they do. And it's actually very freeing because when I was younger, I used to try to shred. Like I would try to do the Ingve stuff, you know, when I was a teenager and like practice scales for like eight hours a day to a metronome and like really try to be like the fastest guitar player on earth. But spending enough time around virtuosos made it very clear to me that I'm not one. And I mean, obviously you have to become one. You're not born that way, but I would know by now if I had that in me. But you got to give yourself some credit. Also, you're pretty fucking good. <laughs> I appreciate that, but not like those people. It's like one of those things where it reminds me of high school gym class where there were these kids that were just faster than everybody. I'm not trying to like take away from the work involved, but same amount of work as all the other kids. They ran the same amount as all the other kids. They were just faster. They were just faster. They could jump higher. They were stronger. They just had these gifts. And there's no amount of practice that's going to bestow me with gifts I don't have. It'll make me better at the things I am capable of, though. Yeah. I think that's even for me from the guitar world. What impresses me the most now is not, you know, speed. You know, people can go 500 BPM. I'm sure there's some people that can do 2000 BPM, like 16th notes or something on a guitar. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that exists for the people that spent their actual entire lives, 10 hours a day, going up and down the minor pentatonic scale as fast as possible and seeing what can happen. And where what impresses me more is just that more natural sense of interval choice and melody, because that's something which is like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could try my best to spend 20 years trying to learn that, but that's something that's inherent to the person and their experiences and what they've listened to through their lives and just how their ear works. And that stuff makes just, that's the one thing that blows my mind much more than how fast usually people can go. Because also I, I asked myself when I was in my late teens, like, what do I do? Do I care about metal more or guitar more? Like, what do I do with my channel even? And I was like, am I going to put in the time to care about guitar like those guys? And I instantly said no. And now I'm this, sadly, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I think, you know, it's not 100% true, but generally speaking, the people who are really incredible virtuosos mostly aren't great songwriters. They might get mad at you for saying that, but I do think you're right. But you know what? And I feel like this doesn't get said much. On the other side of that spectrum, on the can write better, can't play for shit side. Right. I feel like there's a trap there too. So, you know, so on the virtuosic side, the trap is trying to do too much shit. Yeah. Too much stuff. Trying to like fancy for the sake of fancy, tech for the sake of tech. But on the other side, I think what I have found is that people can be overly limiting, almost like scoffing at getting better at music, which is also kind of dumb because why would you scoff at getting better at music. And to be clear, it's not like being a bad guitarist grants you the ability to be a good songwriter. Yeah. You right. can be bad at both, like me. <laughs> yeah, I always have aimed for like kind of the weird middle ground of like, and I'm more so like, what sounds good? Now how do I add the, you know, years of guitar and knowledge and unique things to make it, the song stand out in more of this basic package but there's a lot within it that you can explore if you're listening mm -hmm. to it as a base just a consumer of metal be like oh yeah it does the chug chug or if you listen to it more as just like a guitarist or a musician you could be like oh that was a really cool like little triplet thrown in there that wasn't the focus but if you look for it it's kind of underlying and it, it's exciting for both both people but again it's you're trying to do best of both worlds. It's also riskier and tougher to appease, you know, people that maybe want to go listen to, you know, K Katy Perry and J Justin Bieber or like butt rock, <laughs> right? In general, versus you know the oh, I just want everything really, really fast, and I want the most unique, different interval choices possible in the entire world, and scale choices, and key changes, and polymeters, polyrhythms. It's it's hard to kind of play that in the middle. That's but that's what I've spent most of my time trying to do. Especially like when I got into Prague when I was a little younger, I started to notice like the different types of consumers and how more, 
you know, you get to the more proggy, more, you know, quote unquote, nerdy side of things, right? More guitar centric. And that's what I was drawn to when I was younger as a guitarist. And it was a lot more of just like, oh, that's wrong. Or that's, you know, you know, that's uh, uh, not normal to do. You shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, that's, that's weird technique or that's weird this, this. And I was just like, that's a tough crowd to please. And I don't know if I want to, you know, fully make my life around just that as I got kind of older. Because it's like... And there's the other crowd that's just like, I just want breakdowns, bro. <laughs> you know, I just want mm-hmm. the chunk. And I'm like, I kind of leaned when I got older more to that side um, because I knew I was never going to satisfy like the virtuoso side and the progressive musicians. So I was just like, why try to fight this losing battle when I can just kind of write weird, fun, basic shit, which has a fun underlying uniqueness because mm-hmm. I did explore some of that you know, progressive stuff and virtuoso stuff and take time when I was younger and see if I can make it so this more basic structure of stuff, you know, whatever, whether it's song structures or just, you know, chord progressions, if I can make that spicy enough to kind of fit in both worlds. Because, yeah, the the progressive guitar world, that is a tough crowd. Love them. (laughs) Tough. Hate some of them. I think it's kind of a natural thing in all forms of art when you're younger to sort of believe that complexity has inherent value and yes. to really want to create this amazing Baroque masterpiece. And I don't mean Baroque as in like classical music. I mean, just like Baroque in the sense of ornamented and, right. you know, very complex for the sake of complexity. And then when you get older, after you sort of scratch that itch, you're like, maybe restraint is cool too. Yeah. Organized chaos is probably my favorite. Do you think about pleasing anybody when you're writing? I don't mean like, are you writing to like, are you writing for other people? But like, have you been able to completely divorce yourself from the thoughts of how will this be received or who is this for? Yes and no. My first thought is when I listen to a demo back, if I'm not getting out of my chair, walking around and kind of fucking moving around a little bit, I I, I fucked up (laughs) somehow Mm -hmm. like that. That. That has to be number one, is I have to want to put this on replay, not get sick of it, actually enjoy it, have fun with it. Then it's like, okay, who is this maybe trying to serve in the community, right? Like, and I have a few different projects, which is a weird thing, you know, like I have like weird trap metal thing. And honestly, I still don't know who that's trying to serve because it's like metalheads hate trap. Trap doesn't want to deal with deathcore. So I'm just like, I think it's fun. I don't know. And I'll see what happens. But I am very conscious of what the feedback might be. But I try not to let it pivot what I'm writing. Is it hard to get out of like the YouTuber kind of mindset where you have to care about what everybody thinks about every video? I think when I was younger, yeah. But then also on YouTube, as I got older, I stopped caring as much of what people, I guess some of my viewers think. But also, I've been fortunate enough to get relatively positive feedback majority of the time with my videos with few videos being like eh and that's the thing is well i mean about like music i don't think you should be in that same kind of hamster wheel of really having to care what the audience thinks about every single thing you do which you kind of have to be on youtube but with music you probably shouldn't be that handcuffed i don't know what do you think yeah i try to keep it this weird mindset of like if same thing with YouTube and same thing with music. If I saw it in my feed, would I click it and think it's good content? I, I do think of music as content, right? Like, is this an enjoyable piece of entertainment, right? That you want or connect can connect to emotionally, right? I know content's more like a fast foody term I, nowadays, but I do think of it as just like, is this good entertainment? Mm-hmm. People are on the websites to be entertained. I, you know, am I going to waste eight minutes of their time or would I click on that and actually be like, yeah, okay, like that that was worth the eight minutes and same thing with the song so much music if am i going to waste four minutes of their time or is it is it going to feel like fulfilling when they listen are they going to leave that with some parts here and there that they enjoy then that's where i am a bit more conscious i guess but also because i've switched my mindset over the years from like oh i got to be a fast guitarist and try to be impressive to just like i just want to write cool shit that like i enjoy um i feel like i'm my target demographic and and target audience for a lot of this stuff so whoever wants to come by is great but i also do take feedback if it's obviously good criticism you know like seriously you know there were some videos which is like um even on youtube which i'll get a much obvious 
you know, worst uh, dislike ratio. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, why? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like panicking. I'm like, why? And then I rewatch it. I'm like, maybe that was a shit video, you know? And I have to be a little introspective and just ask, you know, is it because I'm just talking about something specific that people don't like to hear or don't want to hear? Or was the content bad? And I think that same mindset when it comes to music, like why didn't this do as well? You know, because obviously a lot of people want to instantly blame always the it's the algorithm and it's it's this and it, and, it, and it's just we didn't get lucky without fully understanding that the YouTube algorithm is a lot luck, but that luck is based on consumer behavior, you know, and a very intelligent, <laughs> you know, AI and c- consumer behavior that is pretty crazy, which is like when a video doesn't do well, I'm not like, oh, well, I just got lucky. Usually I'm like, something made people not instantly click this and then something made people not want to watch the whole thing. What's the problem there? And I think the same mindset, even if it is unhealthy sometimes, with music um, and, and with the songs I write. It makes sense. I have a pretty bad experience of what happened when I decided not to care about that stuff, which was the Doth self-titled was the... Last one we did before we basically took a 12-year hiatus, that one was like the big fuck you to what everybody wanted. And so there's like no song structures, like it's mastered quietly for full dynamic range, like barely any drum edits, like barely any samples, like it's quiet sounding, like all those things. And nobody cares about that one at all. It was hard to get people to like listen to it. We can pay people to listen to that one. My lesson learned is you have to like at least respect your audience. Yeah. Uh, like even if you're not writing it for them or you're not letting it sway you too much, I just still think though you have to have a little bit of respect for the journey you want them to go on. Um, I mean, because if you're not doing it for them, at least in some part, why are you releasing it into the world, right? So it, like, I feel like when people say, I don't write music for other people, it's like, I get that to a degree, but there's a part of that that's dishonest because if that were 100% true, you would bury it and you wouldn't put it out. I think it's a cop out when people say that. Totally. So the act of releasing it means you do care to some degree about the listener. And so with that said, I think there's a line there, but like respecting them and respecting that, they're taking time that they could be doing something else and like trying to provide them some sort of a journey. Like, I don't see how that's a bad thing. I mean, it's like what you just said about the content idea is this good content. I just interpret that as you respect your audience and want to give them a good time with those five or eight minutes they're going to spend. Yeah. And same thing, even when I'm streaming, like that's, and that's a real dedication to content. Like people are watching for hours. Sometimes the retention time for streaming is insane. And I'm like, damn, like I don't, I wouldn't want to waste my time doing that. So it's like, I'm going to try my best (laughs) to make sure that I don't waste people's time. But also, I guess, weirdly combine the mindset of me wanting to do it for myself but more so i guess better way to explain is me wanting to do it for people like me (laughs) right that -hmm. have similar interests that i wish you know i had homies that i could be like yo that's sick like let's do this or let's talk about this or let's you know experiment with this and and see what happens when it comes to things musically or, or content wise and that's the audience so it is a me first but at the same time i know i have to respect my audience and give them what i what they want but that's also why over the past few years, I've spent a lot of time somewhat restructuring my content and making it more variety based to make it so it's just, this is what I am. Y'all that are here mm-hmm. like what I like doing. You know what I mean? Well, it feels very natural that you have like guitar stuff, you know, the, the stuff you were doing years ago, you're still doing that mixed in with reactions, mixed in with, you know, a flash game. Like it, it feels very natural. Yes, and that's something that I had a lot of struggle getting to because I, I I wasn't a YouTuber like I've been doing this for eight years that like I didn't have like a big viral type of series that did it. I had one video like Slavic Metal that did really well, and then I got a bunch of Russian followers that I don't know if they're still around. <laughs> but other than that, it was just like I, I I get sick of doing the exact same series. Like I did covers for four years straight new song let's do a terrible first cover of it you know thinking it was really good at the time and that was it it was only guitar never talked ever in my videos and then i started talking i was like this is fun this is refreshing 
I want to do this. And I went through a few different transitional periods where I was, it was always scary. Like, will people still like this? You know, it's not just guitar. It's I'm doing talking. I'm doing discussion. I'm talking about news sometimes. I'm doing meme content. And I feel like because of that, my growth with my channel and even my music has been slower, but it's also probably been steadier and more consistent than majority of other people because I'm getting less of a big audience at one time, but I'm getting all the people that actually kind of fuck with this weird variety-based thing instead of, you know, I, I don't just have a lot of just guitarists. I don't have just a lot of people that listen to deathcore. It's kind of just like, hey, do you like metal and weird shit and kind of guitar? Like, come hang out and I'll try to make the best content in that sphere for you because that's the content that I want to make for myself. And same thing with the music, right? It's a, so it's almost like you are your viewer. Yeah, and that's it's a weird, but also it sounds egotistical for sure, but it's also refreshing because it's like, it, it, it alleviates a lot of the pressure of like, well, I have to do this and then appease the, the guitar community every time. And that's something I mm -hmm. had to go through the uh, with my transitional like content period of like, I had like 90% of my stuff was guitar. I know there's a lot of guitarists here. What do I do? And I kind of just did my thing and it kind of worked out and it was tough and scary, but people seemed to come along for the ride and some people didn't, right? Um, but it made it so I can just be like, huh, as a you know, as just a person that likes what I like, what's interesting, what's entertaining, what do I feel like doing that might that I'd be entertained by? Oh, okay, let's try it out. I feel like that's the secret, really. And Finn, I've noticed that too with your channel channels. Um, even though, like, I know you've been public about the fact that you're not always making videos about your favorite bands or whatever. Like you've, you've said it many times, like not just texting with me, but like you said it publicly. So I don't think I'm like spilling any secrets. It's not a secret. Here. It's not a secret that you're not always covering, covering your favorite shit. But the thing about it that's very natural is you've always been, you've always done the analysis of music and musicians and how how the culture works like you've done that since before I even met you so it's like you're just doing your thing which I really think is like Nick is basically what you just said is you're just doing your thing and then figuring out ways to do your thing even more and I, I really think that that's where a lot of people go wrong both with writing music or with trying to start YouTube channels or whatever, is not doing the thing that they naturally do and that they'll naturally be cool to keep doing and keep doing and keep doing year after year after year. Like if they're trying to do something that's somebody else's thing, there's only so long that they're going to be able to sustain that. Yeah, that's something I started to value a lot more was sustainability with this because I'm like, yo, I ain't doing anything else with my life. It's looking you know, like this is... I mean, it, this is kind of the path, right? So it's like, I want to be around for a while. And I, I would always notice when I tried, and I, you know, sometimes it's, you know, obviously there's new bring me and it's like, well, you're going to check that out, right? There's new this, there's new this, and you're going to check it out. But I approach it from this different perspective of, oh, well, I want to check it out because like, I'm curious. Like Nickelback came out with a new song. I'm not a Nickelback fan. They do actually have really dope riffs, but like, I just, I, I don't jam it all the time. That's for sure. And the thing was like, oh, it could be a metalcore song. That intrigued me. I'm not a crazy Nickelback fan, but I also assumed this could go really poorly, me uploading this, and people would be like, you know, because it's a meme to hate on Nickelback, or this could go, you know, really well, because it's just relatable. I'm curious to see, hey, did they write a metalcore song or not, and did that video, and it was it was one of the biggest videos I had, like, that month, and I was like, okay, you know, like, that's interesting, <laughs> right? Because it is a popular topic, but also it's against the metal grain and what my audience usually likes. But it's attacking it from this perspective of the metalhead trying to understand what is this, right? And there's some bands that are really big that I know I could get some easy views on if I talked about, but I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> it's like, like, mad respect to Ghost. They just did a huge album. I never listened to Ghost. I hope they're doing well, right? It's There's some bands where I'm just like, eh. But that Nickelback question, I think that's a very, like, I was wondering that too. Like, I mean, mad respect to Nickelback and especially their mixes. They're always the best, always the best. But, you know, I'm not like a, some Nickelback fan. I'm not a hater either. But whenever they put out something new, there's this curiosity in me 
to at least check it out. It, yes. That's why that video you did checking it out seems so natural because that's like exactly what I did. It's like congruent. Yes. And that's something that's where I feel like a lot, like the relatability of my channel is because that's I'm curious about a lot of things. And the only time I even about like mainstream stuff and whatever YouTube stuff, streaming stuff that I do want to cover and that stuff I more so try to do on Twitch. Like I don't make content around it, even though like I'm curious, like what's happening right in, in the even outside of metal scene. And that I feel like is where I kind of draw the line of like, okay, that's not for my channel yet, at least, you mm -hmm. know, going outside of metal. But like, I also feel very lucky because I have the freedom where I, I don't have to talk about only this band or this band or only guitar stuff. I can kind of just be like, what happened today? What's interesting? You know, what do I want to deep dive into? Oh, I remember that Flash game when I was a kid, Punkomatic, that I used to play. Like, I wonder if that thing still works, you know, like now that I actually know how to write music to a certain point. And, you know, I played that when I was like eight, you know, and again, it's I'm lucky enough that some, that just translates sometimes. And some of those videos, which are just very on the spot, I didn't really plan. I'm feeling this. It happened today. Let's, you know, film, edit, upload, same day, see what happens. Are my most successful videos, funny enough. Um, and then there's ones where I spent like weeks planning, getting done, editing, organizing. No one cares. And I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Is it the same for you, Finn? Yeah, definitely. And every other creator I've talked to, it's the same thing. The one you like shit out in 15 minutes with like zero expectations, that's the one that blows up. The one you slaved over for months that you're deeply passionate about, it's like, eh, eight out of 10. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because you hear about that with songs too, is like, I mean, it's not 100% true 100% of the time, but you hear about this too with a lot of hit songs, like written in an hour, as opposed to like, slaved over for six months i mean then again you also hear about songs that took forever but you hear this story a lot of wrote it in one day wrote it in one hour like threw it together uh kevin thrasher said on his episode of the podcast he has this technique called uh writing for the trash which is basically writing with the idea that it's going to suck and you're going to throw it away it removes expectations. And actually, when you do that, I tried it, came up with some really good stuff. And that, that's basically how he gets around writer's block, and, but also tries to basically create that scenario that you're all talking about, that whole, wow, I just wrote something really cool without even thinking about it in like 20 minutes. I just think it's impossible to predict what people are going to like. I mean, you think about like the movie industry or games, for example, how many of those things were there hundreds of really smart, experienced people involved that invested millions or even billions of dollars and it flops? There's tons of them. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just impossible to really know what people are going to like. And so, you know, that's scary, but in a way it's also liberating because it means just do shit, you know, put your best effort into it, but free yourself from the burden of thinking that there's some way you can predict what's going to be popular because I don't think that exists. I've had a few videos that I didn't upload because I, I would watch it back and I'd be like, this is shit. <laughs> like, like just straight up, like this is not, like I'm not entertained by this, like regardless of what I'm talking about or the context, if it's covering something big or really niche and small, I'm like, I, this is, this, this, this didn't feel good to me. And there's other videos which I felt that and then went back after a week of just relaxing from it. I'm like, that was fucking hilarious, right? Which is weird because I kind of detached myself from it. And then I'd upload it and it would do really well, right? But it, for me, it's always been like fun. The, the stuff I have the most fun with and the stuff I just feel just comfortable with and, and which again ties with the fun translates, I feel like the most to my viewers. So even if when I finish it, I'm like, this is a weird concept. This shouldn't work. But if I kind of go back and I'm like, this is, I, it was fun. Like, hey, why not? Like, let's see. Like, who cares? I had fun doing it. Even if it flops, to be honest, I don't care. The ones that have that mentality, I'm always like, yeah, let's go. And let's upload. And I'm just lucky that when I did do that the first few times, they all didn't flop because I feel like my perception would be much different. <laughs> I, I'm just lucky that it, those did work out. So then it kind of built the confidence to be able to have fun and be able to be like, oh, shit, I kind of need to upload a video today. Turn on the camera, like, see what happens. I don't know. What, what's, what am I doing? You know, what am I interested? What do I want to talk about, discuss and go over? 
but with that there's still been some videos definitely which i was like this is just fucking bad <laughs> like i'm not and some that have gotten out that i'm look back and i was like that was bad content and you can kind of tell with with how it went i have a question for all of you guys as uh metal guitarists the way that metal guitarists think about songwriting starts with a riff which is interesting to me because my brain works very differently. Sometimes people send me a song that doesn't have any vocals and they're like, what do you think? And my reaction is, well, I don't really know what I think because there's no vocals. But I know that that's the way my brain works, which is very different from the way that all your brains work. Tell me about how you approach that and kind of how you, how can you know that a song is good without vocals? Well, you don't. You you know the music part of it's good. Yes. Like I'm thinking about stuff I've sent you in instrumental form, which is basically with the new Doth stuff, all I sent you till it was pretty much done. My operating thought is this music better be good enough to where someone who's listening for vocals still thinks it's cool. With Doth, there isn't a lot of vocal melody, so I feel like it's sort of easier to imagine where the vocals will fit texturally. Yeah, and if it doesn't, then I fucked up. So, like, you need to be able to hear one of my songs instrumentally and still think it's cool, or else I need to do some more work. But, like, still, at the end of the day, you don't know if it's a good song until you have vocals, even if at least for me, even if like it all starts with the music, it ends with the vocals. And like, if the vocals suck, it doesn't matter. Like nothing else matters. It's just garbage if the vocals suck. Yeah. The instrumental has to hold its its own. I mean, even with all my projects and working with vocalists who are my favorite people, I want to write something and give it to them and be like, and, and them have that reaction of, I can do my thing. You know, like they're just not worried. It's not like, oh, this is kind of like what, you know, like what this is awkward, right? I wanted to be able to play it instrumentally, jam it, be like, okay, that sounds full. It could use vocals, but it doesn't need it. It doesn't absolutely need it to be an like a song that people might enjoy, but obviously more people will enjoy it with vocals. So I, I set it up with that and then make it so they have this full creative play pen basically where they don't have to think or get to awkward places it's just like i want to set the my vocalists up in the way where they can just do their thing i know their capabilities um that's literally even termina i was just like andy can do actually everything and i didn't like people don't know that like he can do the craziest deathcore stuff he can do you know post hardcore and i'm like all right i'm just gonna make a playpen for him to just literally be able to do all of that have fun do his thing do you give him any sort of direction about what you're feeling for a part of a song? Or at this point, you know him well enough, you just turn him loose? It's a mixture. Sometimes I write songs with like a concept because I just, I'm like, hey, like, let's like mess around with like a Folly type track. Um, even on this new record, like we're like, I'm, we're basically writing like a modern metal jukebox um, where it's like, I like a lot of genres. So does Annie. So like, here's like, you know, the Architexy song. Here's like the Doom Mick Gordon song. Here's the uh, Valjarta type song. Here's the EDM dance rave song. So sometimes I might have like a concept of like, you know, here's the type, here's the vibe. But I usually don't need to say it because the song is usually that vibe. And, you know, you can pick up on it like, mm -hmm. oh, what am I going for? But sometimes I'll be like, hey, here's like a part like when I was writing this instrumental, like I could picture nothing else other than this dope type of vocal right here to like accent it. Because a lot of the time, I may I, the instrumental is acting as a support for what the vocalist does, but I don't want it to act like so much as a support that if I had to go solo or like let's say release a whole instrumental album, that those songs would just feel boring and empty. Have any of you started writing from a vocal hook or anything that you came up with? <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> uh, I've written I've written Nick Knox stuff because I'm the vocalist with a vocal hook, then the instrumental after, but not any of the projects where I'm solely the instrumental. I don't think because that is a vocally driven genre, trap metal. Yes, oh, hundred percent. It's all about you know talking about money and the bitches and all that stuff, and seeing you know, and then throwing <laughs> breakdowns in there. You sh you should do a trap metal song bragging about your guitar collection. I feel like that would be <laughs> so this, right for you. This was the thing. Nick Knock was supposed to be a meme project, a hundred percent, and then. It's like we started writing, and again, I'm working with a, a deadweight who works with whose corpse is producer, and like, because he hit me up, and he was like, "Hey, like, you're doing this shit. Like, I like a lot of these trap dudes are huge metalheads. Like, 
but they were just like, why would I play life on hard mode? Um, which respect why, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, he's such a good homie. And same thing. We, once we were writing, we were like, oh, like this is kind of sounding more serious. Like it sounds like professionally produced stuff. Like we should probably like give it care. And then even lyrically, I just started to write more serious things. And I was like, that's weird. Like this is supposed to be as meme as possible. Like that's my whole getup. So yeah, like that's, I do want to do that. But That's a perfect example of what I was just talking about, but the writing for the trash, like writing without the pressure, I guess, of it has to be amazing. And then next thing you know, you've got something cool that's worth developing. And even with that, I'm starting to, uh, we'll, we'll probably after a few songs, cut it out. So there's the serious project, which is more trappy. And then I think I might just go meme with Nick Knock Foley and just like write about. First song was actually demoed copyright. I was going to talk about YouTube copyright and shit like that, and just talking. You know, <laughs> there's there was a Raid Shadow Legends reference in there. There was OnlyFans. Like it was hilarious. And then I started writing, and I was like, oh, this is like serious shit now. Instead, what Squarespace? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It was gonna be fucking like yeah, <laughs> all that stuff. There was a, my name is Jeff as an ad lib in there too. Like it's I still have that demo, but yeah, it's it's weird. Have you? ever considered writing vocals first just any of you just as sort of a creative challenge i've wanted to ask andy actually just like bro just give me your most seductive vocal hook and i'll write a whole song around it which we've never written that way but it's also alleviates the pressure for me <laughs> so i think i might do that i'll just feel like write a dope hook let me build fully around it because i think that's a good that's a good starting point too is just because i as a guitarist i also start even though it's usually riffs first there's been many points where it's like melody like a melody line first which i'm like oh that's sick i mean just put vocals on it's the same thing right so yeah haven't not exactly with the vocal line but like with the melody lead catchy chorus line i have started songs with i i know why you're asking this finn because like you think vocals first with everything. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's right. I mean, obviously, you guys all know way more about making music than I do. I'm just, it's just an interesting thing to me. <laughs> it's right. No, it's right. It's right. It's interesting for me hearing your commentary on music, like when we're texting or talking or whatever, because like you're so biased towards vocals and vocal levels and what the vocalist is saying. And if that stuff's not like dialed in, I mean, I don't mean dialed in like in the mix. I mean, even though that's part of what I mean. But that stuff's not dialed in like all those aspects, the writing, the performance, the the mix of it, like all of it. Uh, you're, you're not a happy camper with the song. Interesting. What made me that way is that Creative Live class we did together, whatever that was, eight years ago or something, the songwriting one. The one Brown was on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing that made me understand and appreciate vocal melodies in a way that I just never did before. And ever since then, it completely changed the way I listen to music. It kind of ruined a lot of stuff that I used to like. I was about to say apologies. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ever since then, I've listened to way more like pop and rap and country and that's like more like vocally driven music because it just made me hear music completely differently i didn't mean to do that to you but you guys can all understand how like well done that stuff is just from a craft perspective yeah i mean no other style of music will make me want to jump off a bridge faster <laughs> so like like if i have to listen to it are so man, fucking it good. is super effective <laughs> like if you want me to kill myself just play that long enough it is, yeah, it is super, super effective. I've just found it very interesting. The more I think about it, the more fascinated I am by how differently metal people, especially in sort of the progressive kind of world, just how differently they perceive music than most other audiences. They can hear the same, th like they literally don't hear vocals in a lot of cases. They just don't care. Yeah. But when I'm listening to a band like Muse that you know I love, I'm listening to the vocals, like those vocal melodies are without those, like, I mean, the music's cool too. The music's great, but like, I, I definitely listen to vocals, but I guess the priorities are different depending on what I feel is like, what, what I feel the artistic intent is. So if I'm listening to a Hans Zimmer soundtrack, like I'm listening to the Inception soundtrack, I don't need there to be vocals, and it's not lesser to me than a great song. I like how you mentioned artistic intent, because that's something I feel like a lot of people just, they step aside and don't really care. 
it's especially like i feel like in the reaction scene sometimes it's like a lot of just like oh this this is this is bad or this is this this is this and it's very rare some people will be like well what were they trying to do <laughs> you know and, and then trying to analyze it from that and obviously if something's bad it's just bad like it, it doesn't matter if they were trying right but with a lot of people don't even kind of consider that like what were they going for because there's a lot of bands that and um i feel like one of them even is, is, is parkway with some of their new stuff not a fan of the whole record but there's a few songs which I was like, what are they doing? Oh, they're trying to play big festival shows in Europe. Okay, this is dope for that. They, they, like, exact, all, like, okay, the riffs make a million times more sense, the vocal, everything they were doing now, like, oh, they got five out of five for me for doing Eurofests. Like, done with that. As a regular consumer, would I, like, you know, it's, it's aight. Like, it's, it's solid. It does its thing. Like, it maybe replay a few times, and that's it. I won't be as attached as some of the older stuff. But, like, for what they're going for, the artistic intent... 100% they aced it, you know, and I, that's where I like, it's like, can't fault them for that. I finally understood house music when I got drunk the first time. <laughs> uh, I was at some club they were playing and I was wasted. And I was like, oh, this sounds fucking amazing. I was like, oh, you're not supposed to listen to this sitting in your room right. by yourself on, you know, those cheap styrofoam Walkman headphones that like scratch your ears. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be wasted with 400 other people at 1 a.m. And it sounds amazing in that context. I never understood those metalheads back in the day. Like, remember when the thing in metal was hating Britney Spears for some reason? And also, long after she was done putting out music, that same group of metalheads would still talk about her as if she was like the current thing in pop. But like, that music wasn't for you. Like, why do you care? It was never intended for those people, but they were reacting to it as if it was written for them. And like, they were promised some black metal song and they got Britney Spears and were like, well, what the fuck is this? She made some bangers though. She did. I do find it very interesting, that whole phenomenon of like metal covers of pop songs that the same people who might not listen to the original you know, like Children of Bodom covered, you know, Oops, I Did It Again and stuff. They'll listen to it when it's a metal artist covering it because fundamentally those are great songs mm -hmm. and you can kind of give yourself permis permission to like it when it's played by an artist from your scene. Yes. Because so much of like how we perceive music has to do with sort of the social conventions around it that like my identity is I listen to this or that and I don't listen to that other thing. Like all those like punk goes pop covers, uh, all those comps with the metalcore bands and stuff who mostly had no songs. It was just like chugga chugga riff salad. And their pop covers were almost always their biggest song. And there's a reason for that because what people wanted to hear is a fundamentally good song, but expressed with chuggy guitars. Yeah. Because metal's just the medium, right? Like it's just the a medium with more distortion and and more notes and you know more aggressive, right? It's it's it's, it's the the aesthetic and the feel of it. It goes. I mean, that is a really important part of it too. So I I feel like uh, even if we can say that objectively the original is better, I mean, in most cases it really is. If that aesthetic, or that type of vibe, or whatever from the original just isn't your thing then whatever i just don't understand the getting mad about it part the internet gets mad at everything <laughs> yeah the getting mad about it that's the part that like confuses me like why would you get mad why do you care enough to get mad yeah it's a lot of energy to like do that shit but yeah. i'm always surprised i mean like obviously like i i have fun with reddit that's how i'm going to describe it now at this point um you know our metalcore and stuff go back and forth i have a abusive relationship with reddit don't we all you know it's like I, you know we, we both we both love each <laughs> other but at the same time it's like it's not healthy it's a toxic relationship for sure that's kind of the thing but yeah it's it's just i i feel like there's metalheads a lot of times still feel like obviously this is something this is their this is their thing it's metal it's special it's counterculture it's not popular right it's against that it's it, it embodies the introvert you know and the outsider in them and then as soon as that starts to i feel like get hindered by things getting popular or things you know people doing covers of popular songs sometimes too or just pop artists in general and like this you know whole idea of that they just start to be like they they, they feel like they get attacked because they've attached themselves so much to this scene in the sense of it feeling like it's a smaller niche outsider scene so if it I'm even worried if it gets 
too popular, like, what the fuck's going to happen? Like, people are going to be mad. I, instead of like, yay, more metalheads. They're going to be like, fuck, more metalheads. You know what I mean? Which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of weird. It's It holds itself back. On the topic of hate, how do you keep it from ruining you psychologically? I'm curious, too, like, Brown and Finn, how you guys uh, do that. But Nick, first, I'm... I mean, by and large, the reaction to you, I've noticed, is overwhelmingly positive, considering the genre you're in. <laughs> I mean, it could be way worse. Yeah. But but still, like, it's there. I'm wondering if, like, you have to hold yourself, like, keep it away, or you just naturally have a coping mechanism for it, or it just doesn't bother you, or you're a superhuman. I've been doing this for eight, nine years now, so it's like, you know, you just, you st- I, it, was, it was tougher when I started. It's like, you know, oh no, like someone told me to go die. Like, that's not fun, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's not a fun <laughs> thing to read. But once I start to get older and get more confident in what I did and have more fun, that's when I stop caring as much. But the only problem is I wish I could just not care fully, but I need to care a bit because some of that shit is actual good criticism, which I do need to take in. Like, I don't want to live in fairyland where everyone's wrong who doesn't like my shit because that's so not true. I'm, I know I'm probably one of my harshest critics, but it's still just like, hey, maybe that did suck or maybe that song was kind of fucking boring. Like, I need to, I want to take that in without it just being like with all the noise, which is something I consider now because it's just like, if I release something and I feel happy and confident in it and it's not like criticism, like actual criticism, it's just like go die. Or the one I get the most is go listen to Real Metal Poser and they'll post it on all of anything that is like that's like core related. And I'm like, what? how do you even how do you find this channel at that point? Like, I don't know how you got here. <laughs> a lot of effort goes into it. Yeah, a lot of effort where I'm just like, eh. you know, and, and sometimes, you know, with some songs. Or even with some videos, if it's like, oh, it's not heavy enough or it's poser shit. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm lucky that I sometimes have the capability because I know what actual, like, I listen to a lot of modern heavy music. If it's like, hey, okay, you guys want heavy bullshit? Here, I'll throw, I'll just make the most ignorantly heavy song just for the fun of it, just to see what people say. And I've done that. And I'll get the same comments. And that's where I'm like, wait, why the fuck do I care then? <laughs> right? Like, because if you do appease, the like like hater haters they they'll never be satisfied anyways and when i kind of learned that i was like the fuck i don't care like there's no point but the only tough part is actually trying to be like okay yeah go kill yourself you know cut your face off oh man maybe like maybe the audio levels are a little kind of weird here you know it's a little tough to hear you oh thanks (laughs) i'll know that for next time you know it's like actually finding the good stuff that helps me get better versus all this the actual just threats (laughs) i mean i i don't love it you know, there's just last night another Reddit thread about how awful I am with oh 300 God. comments. You know how those go, Nick. I do. I made my own <laughs> about me. That's right. Yeah, that's cheating. You did. Oh yeah, because that, well, that, I guess that's how I counterbalance it too. Is like I'll play into it. I'll I'll show that like I hate me more than you do, motherfucker. So like <laughs> I did that with our metalcore. I was like, how do I get back in this community? It's an important part of the community. I'm gonna make my own hate thread, and I went in on myself, and I'm like. Try to top it, motherfuckers. You know, like, go for it. To tie to what you read it and Finn's talking about, yeah. I remember reading that one. I was like, I agree with all of this. Wait a minute. No, <laughs> joking. I mean, I don't, I don't love it. I really don't. It bums me out, and I'm envious. I mean, Nick, I know that you do get, you know, your fair share of hate, for sure. But I'm envious. This is my perception of it. I could be totally wrong. Of people like you and Rick Beato who it seems like people really like you guys. I'm just not a very likable person to, you know, a certain segment of the internet, which happens to be the segment that watches my videos. Right. <laughs> and it like, honestly, it bums me out. And I have made a deliberate effort to try to be more likable. And I mean, this isn't news. I've been like an unlikable person my whole life. So like, that's not, you know, that's not a surprise to me. Um, it's something I've struggled with forever. And it's just, for whatever reason, the way that I come across is unlikable to a lot of people. And that kind of sucks. Uh, and it sucks to be confronted with that all the time. But there's only so much I can do about it, you know? Do you think you're looking for that too, so you see that? No, I'm not. Because it's, it's surprised me so many times where, I mean, part of it 
is I've, I've told you this, Al, but like I've talked to my psychiatrist and I think I might be on the spectrum a little bit because there's a lot of things, uh, this happened like my whole life, where I've expressed an opinion that to me seemed like very mild and, and it would have never occurred to me that this was going to piss a lot of people off and it, and it does. And this has happened to me at work, personally, you know, and obviously on the internet. I think there's just something about the way my brain works that I don't always understand what's going to piss people off and it's frustrating and I don't like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like, I, I remember having you on the show. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, that's the thing. I, even when I had you on my show, I was just like, let's, let's hang. Let's get, I want to, you know, cause you had me on your show and I talked to you. I was like, dude, you're just like a nice, really chill guy. But like, I got like, you were who you are in your content, which is just like, you're, you're chill. Like you're, you're just chill. And you're like, this is what I'm talking about. And you get, you know, you, you, you get the facts and information of everything you need. And you just, you just don't sugarcoat shit, you know, which I, if anything, I respect that a lot more. The fu- the thing is, what you perceive as me not sugarcoating things is me sugarcoating things a lot. <laughs> What's funny is your content was why I reached out to be friends. I hit you up based on your content back in the Metal Sucks days. I got your contact info because of how you were writing. So it's interesting to me, but I also know I'm a weirdo. So that can, that could have something to do with it, too. Well, especially people on the internet that are going to take time out of their day to make fun of the way you look. You know, if they're saying something just clearly, if they're making a comment about your appearance, they're saying that just to hurt you. And anybody that's going to take time out of their day to lash out at another person about their appearance, like that says more about them than it does you. Someone write a YouTube plug-in that just showers me with praise. That's all I want. <laughs> well, actually, I think that's why the URM and Riff Hard communities have been so successful is because, you know, I not like into the whole safe space idea or anything, but because people can come and talk about things where elsewhere they would get roasted alive for asking certain questions about how do I get my interface to stop making this weird noise? Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Which is something that fucking every single person who's ever owned an interface has struggled with. Yeah, but you ask that on Reddit or, you know, wherever, you will think that you should have never been born based off of the severity of the response. And, you know, in the URM community, people will just help you. And I think that that, that like content aside, like education aside, that alone, just being an oasis online, especially in heavy music, I think is a big part of why it does well. Cause, uh, it is vicious out there. The thing I've noticed too, and this is interesting, is the same people that are in the URM community who behave and are really nice to each other within the walls of the URM community or Riff Hard community, in other communities, they are vicious bastards. And so I don't know exactly what that tells me other than that you can kind of dictate what kind of culture you want uh, surrounding your world, I guess, to some degree, but because they'll be totally cool to each other, you know, they'll like, when someone has to cancel because they're having a, a rough month financially, those people will step in and pay for their month and they will help them with anything and they're totally there for each other. And then you go one community over <laughs> where there's no rules and it, shit gets deadly. Because we can all be assholes in certain situations or we can be cool, supportive people in other situations. And it's like, how do you create a culture that nudges us to be the best versions of ourselves, which I think you guys have both done a really good job of doing. Don't tolerate when people are assholes. That's basically it. And that's why, like, if your job is YouTube, YouTube is an unregulated shit show. Like, there's no way to keep those comments under control and to make people behave. So you have to, I feel like if your job is YouTube, you have to, like, have strategies for to defend yourself from it because it's not like URM where we will boot people for being that way like if you act that way you're gone and we'll ban you from the service for life and like the end and we'll know if you made a different account we'll figure it out I've been thrilled that recently I mean on my second channel which I started really publishing more on about a year ago a lot I do like three to five videos a week on there only recently have I started to get comments that are like, oh, you're really funny. These videos are great. I'm like, somebody thought my joke was funny? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? 
like I, I like what you said one time in one of your videos. Again, I'm going to paraphrase very poorly here about like the butt rock community and like sure it's funny and fun to make fun of, but like their fans are like so much more chill probably and just fun because they they're just they just want to go get drunk and listen to a good live show, you know, which is just it's fun, right? Instead of it always being like this very crazy serious thing, right? And I feel like a lot of metalheads, you know, you you can have fun, but you can also be very serious at what you do and enjoy things and kind of have fun, which I know can be tough, especially because a lot of people like emotionally attach themselves to a lot of bands and things that happen in the scene. So it's it's easy for people to, I feel like, to just get heated a lot more, even if they really shouldn't be, you know, or if it's something small or if it's just some reactor talking about shit or content creator or guitarist playing something. It's like usually always a very you know, intense, but also, you know, compared to like mainstream stuff and like Twitch to Twitch and YouTube as a whole, like the metal scene doesn't have as much drama as a lot of that stuff. So when I feel like when we do have like, oh, this person got did this or did this doesn't like the band I like, it's much more like intensive instead of like you list, you know, in the in the in the rap community or just like I said, bigger YouTube Twitch community. Oh, who scammed all their viewers today? You know what I mean? It's just like an everyday thing. So people I feel who like, went to prison yeah. <laughs> this week. Well, I should be clear. I think it's a double edged sword. Metal is one of these things where people just care a lot about it. They really, really, really invest themselves in it. And I'm grateful for that because, I mean, that's the whole reason that we're able to do everything we do with URM and RivHard and YouTube and all of this stuff. You know, that passion cuts both ways. And getting to what you were saying earlier, Nick, about respecting your audience, that's why it bums me out when people don't like me because I want them to like me because, like, I do respect them and I am grateful for their support. And I, I think that's the dynamic is just that People just care so much about this, and that's, I think, the important thing to remember. Yeah. People care a lot about their favorite bands, right? Like, much more than I ever thought, you know, they did. I mean, like I said, I grew up listening to a lot of cool bands, and I was like, yeah. And then the vocalist, you know, goes to jail or whatever. You know, you figure things out, and you're like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> like, th that's why there can be a very robust middle class of bands and metal that doesn't really exist in like rap or pop. Yes. Like in rap, you're either a nobody or you're on top of the world and there's really not a lot of in between and you can go from one to the other super fast. Right. Whereas, you know, a band like Monuments, you know, you're never going to be Drake, but you can keep playing music and have supporters for the rest of your life. Yeah. Andy's been experimenting with some crazy vocals. All right. You'll get there. I remember when, uh, when I left Berkeley, this was a while ago, but still, when I left, I went to Atlanta to start my studio, and because there were already Doth demos, and I just had this idea in my head that like, I needed to pursue both those things. And the thing is, lots of people who I w were in my class were like, why are you going home to Atlanta? You should go to LA, like us. It's like, because I have opportunity in Atlanta, and uh, that's where I'm going. So, you know, fast forward to several years later, like I have a career and most of those people don't. One or two of them did. And the reason is because in the worlds they were going for, either you get all the way to the top or you don't get shit. Whereas in metal, like I could have a living at that age, you know, recording bands like Misery Index and Arsis and I could exist at that level and still pay for my shit. Whereas my friends that went to LA that didn't get into some multi-platinum band, one or two of them did, they didn't get anything. And I think that that's, yeah, it is because metal does have that middle class. And then also metal lasts forever. That's the other thing about it. That's really, really cool is it's not going anywhere. People will say it's dead or going away or whatever. That's fucking bullshit. It's not going anywhere. And you can have, it, there's no problem being a 40-year-old metal musician. Or a 55-year-old 40-year-old and pop, a little tougher. Yep. If you make metal your career and are able to pull it off, uh, you can do that for the rest of your life. Whereas in just about every other genre, not just about, like you can do that in classical too. Any kind of popular music at least. Any popular music, 
you better get it while the getting's good. Yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Having 400 people in some random city show up to see you play on a Tuesday night seems fucking amazing to me. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, pop money, but uh, again, like long tail, you can do this into old age. So that said, I think it's a good place to end the episode. Nick, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to hang out with us. And Finn, also, thank you for taking the time to uh, hang out with us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always fun fun chatting and shooting the shit about metal and riffs and how hard they are and all that. They have to be hard. Shout out to the boys at Gent Shit Posting also. Gent Gent Shit Posting. Do they mess with you? That's us- they usually mess with Jared more so, no? Oh, they go for Finn. We, we have an understanding now. I think we're cool now. <laughs> we have an understanding now. I love them. <laughs> yeah, it's that love-hate. That's, that's important.